0: Welcome to the podcast that's good for business. This is the place to get ideas and tips to increase your sales, boost your business, and create a more productive and prosperous life. In each episode, you'll find insights gained from decades of experience that have produced millions in sales and reached thousands of entrepreneurs worldwide. And now, here are your hosts, John Lavinia and Tony Rush. Welcome everyone to Good for Business. John Levenius here with our good friend Tony, who's back with us this week. Tony, how was your uh, your week away? From- uh,
1: you know what? I uh, I always miss any opportunity that I have uh, to not to not be uh, to not be in this conversation. This is an ongoing conversation we've been having for I don't know, what close to ten years in some format, but and it was a. Um, I had a great week, though. It was a fantastic week, and although I miss being here, it was uh, it was for a good reason, but happy to be back.
0: Okay, so let me go ahead and set the table here, Tony, for our topic tonight. We are, we have a lot of people who are very concerned with making themselves uh, known in, in the marketplace, obviously, and taking an approach, be it through social media or other means, to always be there, always be in front of the customer and communicating with uh, potential customers and schmoozing and uh, networking and this sort of thing. And certainly it's valid that, uh, like Dan Kennedy said a while ago back in a um, an interview, how would you double your income? He said, well, double your amount of time you spend with customers, <laughs> right? So so that from that standpoint, it's valid. On the other side, we have an argument for doing the exact opposite. In other words, <clears throat> Making ourselves uh, positioning ourselves in the marketplace as someone who you can 't really get to as much right because there 's got to be uh, gatekeepers so to speak there 's got to be different uh, ranks and, and hierarchy that you go up to get to let 's say the you know the head CEO or something like that the CEO isn 't uh, out on the floor greeting people per se Sam Walton isn 't a greeter at Walmart so to speak. So so we've got two different mindsets going on here. How accessible are we in the marketplace? Tony, did I, did I set the table properly?
1: The table is beautifully set. And and, and here's, here's my addition to that. I like Gary Vaynerchuk. I I do. I knew he was going to come up. I, I do. I like, I think he's, I think he's got a lot of good ideas. He's, I admire his passion, you know, the guy's 100 miles an hour. I admire his passion. He would tell you uh, the opposite of probably what I would advocate. I would say if you want to make your decision based on, if you want to take Gary's opinion or my opinion and you want to say, well, which one, who's making the most money? I, I would tell you straight up, then you probably want to go with Gary's philosophy on this. Um, if you want to base your opinion on, uh, time freedom, lifestyle, um, harmony in your life, then I, I would, I, I'm going to put my philosophy up against uh, the Vaynerchuk. I, I, I'm going to say that I think that what I would advocate in terms of time management and accessibility is absolutely um, as valid and a better fit for my life than the idea of sunup to sundown, you hang your shingle out there and you basically spend your whole day responding to and reacting to what is thrust upon you. Uh, I did that for a long time, John. I was, I was Mr. Available. I would publish my phone number uh, on my website. It was at the bottom of every email. Um, And I mean, that's text messages, my Skype, my uh, mobile phone, my office phone, my email address, facebook and it was like every single channel available you know i had the lights you know like tom bodette motel six the the, we'll leave the light on i had all the lights on i mean everything was the welcome mat was out and uh and here's the thing it works it works you you will create you'll get conversation um the challenge is is one of are you running your business or is your business running you? So that's, kind of, that's probably, uh, John, my angle on it tonight. I, I think maybe um, two things. One, we can have a conversation about practical time management. And then maybe the other, the other side of this coin is uh, the conversation about managing uh, your mindset, uh, protecting your, your headspace, that kind of thing. But either way, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is good. You know, I think um, you just said something. You just kind of slid it in there. Oh, what I do? You said. Uh, and by the way, how's my mic sounding? Oh, it's great. Good, silky smooth. Okay, cool. So, just want to make sure we're getting some uh, decent fidelity here. Uh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be switching to studio recordings. So this is, uh, if you're joining us live right now, we are going to be doing studio recordings moving forward. So you're going to hear some different stuff if you're listening on the podcast. John's going to sound like Barry White. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. there you go. We're going to sound really good. You you guys hopefully uh, tuned into all the Good for Business episodes, and including the one where we we did a studio take, and it sounded really, really good. So we're going to be shifting to that method instead of the live uh, broadcasts, but... Uh, Tony, you slid something in there.
1: A subliminal
0: message. What was yeah. it? Yeah, protecting the mind space. Ah, man! As soon as you said that, that just spoke to me because hey, look, I'm I'm a person, right? I uh, well, I, I suppose uh, you know we could get metaphysical and say, well, you know, I'm a spiritual being, and you know, I've got this body, and I use the mind, right? So we got body, mind, and spirit. That's cool. I'll tell you what, I live uh, in my mind thoughts most of the day. And I am not immune. I'm not so lofty. And, uh, I haven't transcended, you know, humanness to the point where I'm not affected emotionally by stuff that goes on. Yes. I get overwhelmed. Yes. I get, uh, you know, busy and I've got to make decisions and prioritize things. And, uh, of course I want to, uh, serve my customers. And at the same time, I want to expand and work on my business and not just in my business, Okay, so there's a saying, right? There's something that, that we can you know, throw out a cliche that we can all remember. Let's work on our business and not in our business so often, Tony. Right. I've taken the the approach. And in our case, we have got businesses, right, plural. Uh, I've taken the approach where I need to be there holding the hand of every prospective customer every step of the way. And and I think this is an amateurish approach. And, again, you already cited, you know, the, the Vaynerchuk uh, approach where he he's very in now, obviously he can't, you know, respond to every single tweet or whatever, or, or maybe he can, I don't know. <laughs> maybe the guy's a superhuman. Uh, but I think the uh, but I think the, the thing for people who are looking to work on their business more than just in it and more than being a slave to their business and the very important thing you said about protecting your mind space I think the answer is going to have to be to put in that sort of a uh, a structure, a communication structure, where you've got people who can connect with you directly, and then you've got other people who can communicate with them, and then you've got however many levels deep, you've got the general public, right? There's planet Earth and any other extraterrestrials that, that can get on those communication lines. But uh, you can't have the whole world accessing you all day long and get anything done. Yeah. Uh, unless you 've got some magic powers like gary uh, and and you can 't uh, again unless you 're you 're so focused and so immune from outside influences that you can maintain the the proper creative space depending on what your kind of work is i don 't know that you 'd want to subject yourself to to constant bombardment like tony we 've talked about this before on on this uh, on this podcast we 've talked about uh, going into do do not disturb mode on your iPhone and on your uh you know your your PC and what have you, right? Uh maybe getting off of Wi Fi here and there. Or uh setting timers, right? Where you've got uh you know, this is my my work time and you know, barring any uh you know catastrophe, you know, emergencies and stuff. There's no interruptions here. Like I'm not communicating with anybody right now because I am writing. And you know, you and I are both in sales, so we we write. I mean, I, I can't multitask. That. I can't write copy and hold somebody's hand. I just can't do it, right? And in our businesses, we got to write a lot of copy. I mean, there's a lot, and <laughs> that's just for us. Not even counting, you know, clients, people we help out. So, how do you get anything done if if it's a constant? I, I think I think the term is multitask. If it's a constant deal with all the different uh, incoming messages, right? that can be delegated to a support department. Now I will say this before I, I kick it back over to you. Um, my start in entrepreneurship was uh, actually with a band, right? I was in the music business. We were doing this band and I just wanted to get in communication with everybody I possibly could, right? Let's get the gigs. Let's get the uh, the recordings, uh, you know, CDs. And, you know, I, I was out there promoting, 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 because, our, our business, which in this case was a, a band, right? Our business was in a state of non-existence as far as public notoriety. So there, there's a lot of legwork to be done. And we don't have a lot of money because you're running a heavy metal band in New Jersey. You know, you do what you got to do. You get out there and do it yourself. <laughs> and, uh, right. Uh, but now I'm thinking, you know, uh, what was the transition from there to, to where we are now? You and I both have a lot of experience in the home business world. And I applied that same sort of solopreneurship mm. to it. Well, now, I want to get in, in touch with everybody. I want to get in communication with everybody. Let's do phone sales. Let's do meetings, right? Let's do you know, product demonstrations and, and you know high touch, super high touch. And guess what, Tony? It worked. <laughs> it worked. It was, but it's a trap, isn't it? How do you scale that? How do you scale that? I got a, a client now who's uh, one of the world's greatest instructors in Krav Maga, uh, Israeli martial arts, fighting, contact combat. And uh, and he is um, he has this idea that he's – and maybe he's going to listen to this. Hey, Joseph, if you're listening. Um, he's got this idea that he wants to do a, a program where you've got uh, the, the students that could be from anywhere in the world. You see it's all online. Uh, his idea is that the students can then submit their their videos of their demonstrations of the moves and whatever, and the the instructor he can grade them and, and give like a virtual uh, you know rank or belt or, or so to speak, and uh, and I was like Joseph, how, how are you gonna scale that? Right. <laughs> it was like oh, oh like what if this works? What if we get this sold? You're screwed. <laughs> You're doomed, man. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, just a couple of ways that, that are just coming up for me on how high-touch or multi-touch could be a difficulty. It could be fatal. Yeah. yeah. And, and here's the thing. is it, You
1: bring up an interesting point uh, because it's easy to work your business in the environment and the condition it's in today. But, like, when you set up infrastructure – For whatever it is you do, like your restaurant or your your chiropractor's office or your your massage therapy business or whatever, like, you know, a lot of times I think people think, okay, I got an idea. I just need to take it to the marketplace. If if that were true, a lot more businesses would be successful. What usually hamstrings a business is all the stuff that's not in that sentence. It's not hard to have an idea. And it's not really that hard to sell, but the problem is that stuff that happens when you're not in front of the customer, like you've got to have infrastructure, you've got to have a workflow. Um, you, you've, you've got to know how to get all the administrative things done and how to handle you know certain things. Um, last week I took a tour of one of the largest pet supply uh, companies, uh, in, in the United States called, uh, Jeffers, Jeffers pet supply. Um, fantastic company. Uh, I went to school with the vice president and, um, anyway, it was really, really interesting to see an operation of that size, uh, from behind the scenes. But one of the things that I saw was order, lots of order. Um, no chaos, Every, you know, everything, everybody knew what they were supposed to be doing. And it was very visible. I mean, everything about the space that I was walking around in was testament to the fact that lots of thought had gone into how people are physically going to move around in this, this building uh, and everything down to, in, in conversations with Ruth about, you know, how purchasing's done, how sales are done, how customer service is done They've got, I think, 85 phone agents. Uh, it was just fascinating. But see, like that's the stuff that can really the, – the, what I started to say a moment ago is the temptation is to get in there and work, work your business as though it's always going to be how it is today. Right. It, because how it is today is probably manageable for a solopreneur in a small business. You know, and it's, you jump in there and you say, I'm just going to roll my sleeves up. You know, I got no pride here. I'm fine. I'll clean the bathrooms and I'll do the sales calls. I don't care. We got it. We're going to get this thing done. And there's, there's ad, there's admiration on that. You know, you, you, these, an entrepreneur is the, you know, we're the guys and gals that make this world spin. You know, we're the ones that are getting stuff done and we'll, we'll do whatever, you know, we no no arrogance about it. Like, yeah, you need me to go take out the trash. I'll take out the trash and then I'll go do a webinar. Um, the, the problem is the trap that John just mentioned is that you, if you start carving some of that stuff in stone, or if you don't anticipate the need for flexibility, then what winds up happening is now all of a sudden you're three times bigger than you were. It's six months down the road. This is why we see companies that like their biggest problem is not that they're not making sales. It's that they made so many sales so fast that it completely sideswiped all their infrastructure because they didn't plan for success. So this is really key. Like if you're if you actually playing, like you see these people have affirmations and they have their goals and they, like, you know, in, in six months, my goal is to be, I want to be doing this much volume and I want to be making this many sales and I want to be earning this much income. Well, you've got to actually work today as the person who is experiencing that. Because if you work today as the person who's only making a sale every now and then, you'll get completely blown out of the water in six months if you actually hit your goals. So there's a foresight that's required. And as that relates to our topic, I think one of the things that it it means is that, you know, well, you know, John's, John's analogy of Sam Walton, that was funny. Sam Walton was not a Walmart greeter. Now, did he greet people? Sure. Did he walk out on the floor and say hi when it was brand new and early? Sure, he did all that. But you couldn't find him later. I mean, there was layers of gatekeepers. Um, and and for two good reasons that we already outlined, number one was the practical aspect of we've all got 24 hours in a day. And for us to achieve what we want to achieve, we've got to maintain as much control as we can over those 24 hours and then we'll talk about the headspace in a moment but but this thing of if if you are if you're constantly available for somebody to just walk up or call or text and they can reach you a lot of times even just the knowledge that somebody dinged your phone or rang the doorbell or called your phone or your inbox flickered i mean just the distractions just take on kind of a cumulative effect where it's I can be in the middle of writing and if I've got that stuff going on around me, I start feeling this weird sense of urgency that, well, I, I need to, I need to go take a look at this because everybody's dinging me. You know, my Slack is beeping and my iMessages messages has gone off and I see the Facebook thing bouncing. And even though any one of them might not be urgent in the course of an hour, all of them have bounced or dinged or bonged or something, you know, a few times. And I started getting this weird, John. I get this like creepy, like undercurrent little sense of urgency that something's going on that I need to stop what I'm doing. And that's the trap. That's the trap. Because now I'm not working my business. I'm I'm working everybody else's agenda for me. And I had a bad day last week. I didn't even share this with John, but. Uh, this is related, uh, but I'll touch on this real quick and I'll bounce it over to John to see get some thoughts because I hear I can hear the wheels in his head spinning. Uh, bad day last week. I think it was probably, I think it might have been Tuesday. Doesn't matter. But you know, John, you know I've been on this kick for months now where I get up at six thirty every morning, which to some of our listeners probably sounds like okay, uh, yeah, big deal. I, I've been doing that for thirty years. Well, I haven't, It's new, new to me. I'm I've never been an early riser and I'm really digging all the quiet time that I've got before the rest of my family gets up. Um, but the other day, man, I squandered it because I sat down at the computer and I looked at Facebook instead of looking at the stuff that I normally look at, which is, um, I've got a couple of blogs that I check on that are only about marketing, writing, content. Um, there's a couple of authors that I follow and I've got a folder where, uh, in my email that the only stuff that goes into that folder is stuff that is high, high value. So I know I can look in that folder and I'm not going to see any distractions, nothing in there about what, you know, Oh, some Twitter notification that, Kardashian did this or Trump did that or Clinton did that. I mean, like, if I look at that folder, I know it's going to be copywriters, marketers, people that I want to hear what they have to say. Well, this particular day, I don't know why, but I thought, let me just glance at Facebook real quick. Uh Uh-oh. And (laughs) basically gave complete control of my headspace over to, any one of seventeen, 18,000 people who follow me on Facebook and whatever they had for me today. And here's what they had for me, John. Politics, war, fear, hatred, uh, racism, uh, so whatever celebrity was getting out of rehab, whatever celebrity going into rehab, who got married, who got divorced, who got cheated on, who which which teeny bopper celebrity was in a may may have broken up with the other one. Somebody has got a pop single. Some rapper was on a radio show and may not have. Oh, it is. And it was like, it was, it was palatable. I felt so heavy. It, it was, it was literally like picking up a, a, a small glass of poison and just taking several big gulps of it. And whatever, whatever drove me to do that that day, instead of like being really conscious of what I was doing, it's like, I just had no, I mean, it was just like I was fixated on just looking whatever's going to scroll up from the bottom of my screen next. And it was a good learning experience because it reminded me of a, I create my day. Don't let somebody else create my day which is a little bit of a tangent from our topic, but it's always a good reminder. Um, but the other thing too, was that it really highlighted to me is this is how a lot of people live their life every day. So I, it was, it really made me grateful that I had cultivated some really, really positive habits over the last several years so that what was really just a bad morning for me, which by the way, I quickly got back on track, but I did squander a, a fair amount of quiet time that should have been spent elsewhere. But it did highlight to me the power of good positive habits that normally serve me, but just was short circuited that morning. <clears throat> but it also highlighted how easy those habits were to install. Uh, it's, it's not that hard to just say, you know what? I'm not going to look at my email first thing in the morning.
0: Because all mm-hmm. that
1: is is a list of what everybody else wants me to think about. Yep. And so is Facebook. So what I've done is I've created a few, you know, a few little habits. I, I've got a copy of uh, Marcus Aurelius, Marcus Aurelius's uh, meditations. It's a new translation. I read a little bit of that in the mornings and then I usually jump over to uh, some marketing or copywriting or traffic. And a lot of times I actually just write something um, that early morning time is good for me. But here's my point, And this is back to topic and I'm going to hand it to John. No, I'm inaccessible. Nobody can reach me during that time. I don't answer emails. I don't. Um, I don't answer uh, any uh, message text, i messages or texts that have come in. I don't look at Skype. I don't look at Facebook messages. So during that time of the day, you can't find me. But John can. You know, if it was an emergency, John knows how to get a hold of me. Um, but generally speaking no the open the welcome mat is not out <laughs> you you're not going to get a hold of me and i'm fairly inaccessible throughout the rest of the day except through channels you know like somebody can get a hold of me by contacting our support department who in turn would get a message to me but you, this managing your accessibility is so important and um and there's a there's a lot of overlap between this topic and just in general protecting your headspace and just making sure that as much as you can. We're always going to have to respond and react sometimes, but you'll get a lot more done with a twenty-four hour day if you're in control of, of how you occur, as opposed to just knee-jerking your way through the day uh, on everybody else's agenda. Uh, John, that covered actually a couple of different things there, but uh, wandered back to accessibility after a little bit of talk there on just time management and uh, and headspace. But what what's what? What are you thinking?
0: Well, what I'm thinking is that some listeners may be assuming that th- this is an arrogant position. Like, what are you better than these people, Tony? You you can't spend time with these people. Well, we're not important enough for you. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm, what's coming up for me as sort of a counter argument to this. And I suppose that that some people may may fall victim to that 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 assumption. That if I'm not 100 percent accessible to all the people that want to connect uh, with me for whatever their agenda is about. Uh, that that I'm somehow on my high horse or something like that. No, we're we're talking about productivity and we're talking about sanity. And the word that Tony just used was control of his own life, of his own day. You know, I think one of the things that we uh, attract that a lot of people have fallen into is that they they feel like uh, they've got to they've got to somehow be all things to all people. Ah yes, you know, which is a terrible, terrible trap to be in. And I think approval seeking and and attempting to be, you know, the ultimate networker or something. I I just I don't see how that that can be sustained and, and at the same time create, uh, you know, something for the future. If we're thinking, you know, uh, prudently, we, we've got to think. Well, what, what about tomorrow? How are we going to scale this? How are we going to? Uh, and and again, there are anomalies. Right. Like uh, we talked about Gary Vaynerchuk, which is a, a very obvious, you know, anomaly that, that the guy is, um, you know, very prolific in social media and all this. And, and I know he's got a staff and, and I know he's got, uh, you know, a lot of energy to, to put around in lots of different places. Um, and I'm thinking I'm thinking just about that, that whole idea of, of uh, you know, thinking about the future, right, doing things uh, that are prudent, I remember going back to the home business world. I remember being in a, uh, a, an opportunity where I was becoming – I was rising. I was a rising star, so to speak, and I was uh, making good money and uh, about uh, $30,000, 40000 a month, something like that. And I had uh, I had a lot of people who were in the organization, the sales organization. And I noticed that I was uh, doing a lot to help people, Uh addressing people's, uh, you know, concerns and doing, you know, one-on-one trainings and all this. And I was very busy in the management of the, of the sales organization. And I, I was thinking, is there something more that I should be doing right now? I know how I got to be a top producer or a rising star or whatever in that sales organization was by, by selling, by actually doing the marketing and the sales and, you know, doing the business. Not you know managing other people who also have an opportunity to to operate their own businesses, and so I remember going up to one of the top of the top people in that organization, and I said, you know, I, I really want uh, these people to succeed. I want to uh, you know assist them in, in any way I can. I've got uh, I've got this training material, and I've got this uh, stuff that I'm doing over here for people, and yet I'm seeing that a, a lot of people aren't really getting the traction like like I've gotten. Uh, is there something more that I should be doing? Should I be uh, motivating them or something? Am, am I am I uh, being negligent? I mean, that's the last thing I want to be. I mean, after all, you know, there's a, a sales team, right? It's a team to get everyone achieves more. And, you know, I, I'm just, you know, very virtuous here, man. I want to do the right thing. Is there something that I'm not doing? Tell right. me if I'm being negligent. He said, you know what, John? How are you going to manage your sales organization when it's, 5,000 people. And at the time it was maybe a hundred, 200, I don't remember. It was years ago, a decade ago. Okay. How are you going to manage this team when it was 5,000 people? I said, well, uh, uh, he said, well, are you, are you going to be there all the time for everybody and holding everybody's hand, all 5,000 people? You got the answer for everybody. You're the go-to guy. You, you are their savior. I said, well, no, that, that would be impossible. He said, well, you're never going to have an organization of 5,000 people if you don't start behaving as if you've got 5,000 people. Mm. So that's what I'm talking about, being prudent, right? Thinking of, of the future, right? What, what happens now? How am I behaving now, which will allow me or not allow me to scale, to be where I really want to be? Because right now, I mean, we're still working, right? Which means we're not done, which means we're going somewhere. So, so where are we going? Let's start acting as if. Right? Let's start behaving as that person. This sort of goes into a be-do-have conversation. right? Who are you? Are you the guy who, that holds everybody's hand? Or are you the guy who has 5,000, 10,000, 10 billion people in your organization? Well, you better start behaving that way now. Be it, do that, and then you'll have it. And if you don't, be it and do it. You'll never have it. Yeah. So, so it's, it's not elitism. It, hmm. it's, it's
1: It's being prudent. It's actually yeah. expecting to achieve what – you said you
0: wanted when you put it on your goal card. Sure. And not just that, it's again being able to work on my business instead of just in it, it. Just you know, just working in it, it never can scale. But working on it, we can come up with some some cool leverage points. Ah, look, a tool, an automation, uh, you know, something now everyone everyone can benefit. So the real way to help more people is to produce stuff that's more valuable. Imagine that, right? Now, in, in my case and in your case, Tony, and the, the kind of work that we do, you, you can't do that, you know, if, if, you're, if you're just constantly in, in, like, customer service mode, right? Even if you're, like, in the arts, we talked about music. You can't write music and do social media tweets at the same time unless, you know, you're typing on your, your you know, little keyboard, you know, you, you discover a new rhythm or something. But I, that's probably not going to happen. You probably need to focus on writing music and right, not, right. you know, tweeting or whatever.
1: <laughs> right. So. Yeah. So let's let's do this because here, here's you bring up a good point because we don't want to come across as being like arbitrarily arrogant. You guys get what John just said. Like, you've got to acknowledge that your resources are finite. Like, we we've got all of us 168 hours a week right? We, we got 24 hours in a day. If you assume you sleep eight of those hours, and if you're an entrepreneur like we are, you wouldn't be listening. You, you're probably working, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours uh, on your business. I mean, but like these are, these are finite resource. Time is the big one. It's the great equalizer, but you've also got, you know, finite number, amount of attention, which is a whole separate conversation, but let's, let's touch on that. There is, you've got a, there's, there's a limited amount of attention that you can put on anything and expect to actually maintain the right amount of focus, a productive amount of focus. And and we touched on this a couple of weeks ago when we kind of debunked the idea of multitasking, there's no multitasking really, uh, you know, there's switching back and forth between lots of different things very quickly, but you're not really truly working on two things at once. You're really just spreading yourself out and moving, trying to move fast. And it creates the illusion of working on lots of of things at one time, but you've got, you know, limited time. You have limited attention. Um, There's a concept that we've talked about on this podcast before about decision fatigue the fact and this psychologists have studied this for 10, 12 years now that every time you make a decision, you actually reduce your ability to make another similar size decision quickly and effectively. It's, it's like a muscle. It, it, you know, we exert it. It's got to have that period of rest before we go again. Hmm. This is one of the reasons why people like Steve jobs and Mark Zuckerberg said, you know what? I, I'm tired of having to make 30 different decisions before I leave the house every morning. So they do this simplified wardrobe thing that we've talked about where you know, jobs always wore a black mock turtleneck and Levi's and new balance tennis shoes. Uh, Zuckerberg's wearing a, I think a, a gray t-shirt and, and jeans, but, but these are all finite resources. Our ability to decide, our ability to pay attention. Um, time is the big one. So the first thing is, this thing of accessibility, I think we we've got to acknowledge that we've got limited resources. And then the second thing is, and this is a big thing that I ran into John is, and you touched on it with, it comes from a good place. It comes from, I want to, I want to help everybody. And this is going to sound probably elitist, even though we've made now two disclaimers, I think that we're not being elitist, but nonetheless, you have to actually decide Okay, I've, I know I've got a limited amount of time and a limited amount of attention. You actually have to decide who deserves access, and that word "deserve" is what I know somebody right now is about to turn this off because they—they I'm just offended. I can't believe he thinks that some people deserve his access and some people don't. I'm going to be available to everybody. You know what? It's a—it's a nice thought, and I wish you well with that but I imagine you're going to wind up where John and I are, where you basically just have to stand back and say, Hey, look, not everybody needs access. Like not like one of the reasons we have on our websites, a frequently asked questions is because you don't need to ask the CEO of the company of how to change your password. You don't need access for that. Right. Like Steve jobs or uh uh, pick anybody, Richard Branson, you know, you don't have to get in touch with Richard Branson personally. If your Virgin Airlines flight was canceled, you may want to, but you don't need to, you know, so, so some of this is all right, let's acknowledge the lim- the limitations of a day or a week. And then let's acknowledge that people have different needs and they don't all require you to have to be the guy or the lady to personally show up one-on-one with 100% attention to their question or their need. Um, Those two things will go a long way. If those are the only two things that you did was just acknowledge those two areas, you would probably be able to make all kinds of new decisions about accessibility that you're not currently making, which would be things like, um, you know, I, I don't publish my email address. It's not that people can't find it. They probably can, um, and it's not that big of a deal. But I have a lot of rules set up so that I know some mail lands in my inbox. I use a I use a service called SaneBox, S-A-N-E-B-O-X, if you want to check it out. Um, import it mail from people that I know and I uh, the, the system's pretty smart. It knows which mails I open and which ones I don't and which ones take a while for me to open and it routes accordingly. So I can look at in my inbox and know that that's stuff that I probably want to look at. And I can look in the other box called um, sane later is what the default name for that folder is. And this is, this is just stuff that I don't necessarily, it probably doesn't need my personal attention, but I'm willing to receive it. And then there are other things that I just don't see. So, you know, but just acknowledging the limitations of your time and your attention is one thing. And then just realizing, like John said, that you've got tools like a support department, a knowledge base. um, Auto replies uh, can be helpful. They can be a nuisance. They have to be done a certain way. Um, Frequently asked questions page, a personal assistant. I mean, like nowadays it is so cheap for you to have somebody to just take care of this stuff to to allow you to create the space to do your creative work. It is so cheap uh, for you to be able to have someone to do that where they, they check your inbox for you, your phone calls get routed to them and they take messages and they email them to you, but you can literally, for, for very little money, if, even if you're a solo, even if you're not a, you know, a physical brick and mortar with a staff or employees, even if you're an affiliate marketer or a, a network marketer or any other kind of solo entrepreneur, a couple hundred bucks a month and you can have an assistant that will basically solve all of this for you. And that that one decision can really, really change how you, I mean, you, you won't be exhausted at the end of the day, or if you are, it'll be for a good reason. Not, not because the business beats you to death all day long. Um, it, it's just a, it's a great thing, but but you can't make any of those decisions until you acknowledge I'm not going to be able to save the world single handedly. And and I used to be the same way, John. I was the guy who I would tell all my customers, "You got a problem, you call me. I'm gonna take care of you." And. I think I think most of it came from a good place because I really wanted to, to serve. I think some of it was I was being control freaky. You know, I wanted to, you know, oh, I've got to take care of it. And there was some ego mixed in with that. I wanted to be the guy on the white horse that, you know, rode in to save the day. And, it, you know, not not, you know, trying to be a psychopath, but I mean, it felt good to feel like I was serving my customers. And Lord knows they loved the personal attention. It's just that um, at some point I realized, wow, how many times is my wife and kids are sitting and eating appetizers by themselves in a nice restaurant because I've had to step outside the restaurant to take a phone call from a customer that I didn't really need to take. It was just this bootstrappy culture that I had created for my business that I just haven't let go of yet. So I think part of maturity is just realizing that and, and stepping into stepping out of the bootstrap. I got to do it all myself mode and just stepping into that space of, Hey, look, it's okay for me to not have my fingers in every pie that comes through this pie factory. And, uh, and that's the the beautiful thing is we live in a time 21st century. We live in a time where it's very, very easy to, uh, to use automation and delegation to relieve ourselves of that burden, but it's it's mostly uh, a burden that we put on ourselves. I think.
0: Have you relieved yourself? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was really
1: not the best.
0: Uh... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Tony, you going to describe how to relieve yourself. I have just <laughs> described in great detail. Hey, <laughs> you know, hey, I'm you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at our chat roll. I want to say hi to Mark. Mark is lamenting that we're we're shifting into studio work instead of doing these live broadcasts. You know, Mark and everyone else who who does uh, join us in the live broadcast, the vast majority of people uh, listen on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud and all that. And so, uh, and so we respect everyone's time. Uh, including our own, and we are going to be doing special events and stuff. So you will yeah. see our faces once again. Mark was saying, well, now I'm not going to get to see your body language. Well, Mark, guess what? I never get to see yours. So <laughs> where's your live broadcast. Hey, man, thank you for your support and for everyone who listens either on the, the podcast or, or who, who has joined us uh, in the live broadcast version. Um, but, uh, Tony, I want to I sort of put a bow on this with, a, um, with an idea. And that is uh, again back to I think the the one thing that that smacked me in the head when you said it was protecting our our mind space. I remember uh, the late John K Lynch, again oh. going back to you know my roots in, in entrepreneurship here. Uh, John K Lynch was a uh, was a trainer. He was a public speaker. Did a lot of work with various uh, network marketing companies, and um, yeah, I remember him saying in one of his books. It may have been The 17 Secrets of the Master Prospectors, but one of his classic books. He said, uh, you'll never, you won't be able to serve people if you allow them to sell you their belief systems unless you intend to serve them coffee or lunch. Uh, right. So he was, he was talking about leadership in a way that you are independent of the good opinion of others, so to speak. Um, but if you allow people to sell you their beliefs, and why stuff won't work and why, you know, things are a problem and all the reasons why, you know, stuff is not right. Then you could serve them, but it's only as a waiter in a restaurant. That's how you'll be serving. You'll be their, their servants, right? So I'm thinking of that now as as it relates to, you know, all the inputs that we could have and that we can filter to whatever degree. Again, not from not wanting to be a part of, uh, you know, uh, many different conversations, but just from the, the self-protectionism aspect of it. Because uh, look, if I, could, if I could be all places at all times and stop the clock, I'm going to go shake hands with every customer, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm in sales. That's what I do. I, I just I love to go and shake hands. Oh, yeah, you know, great. Build the rapport, right? Product, demo, features, benefits, man. Oh, this is good stuff. I, I could do that stuff in my sleep. And it's fun. I like it, right? I like being social. Not like big crowds, though. Tony, you and I have talked about where it takes two hours to get to the men's room because of the mob scene, you know, that, that whole thing. But right. uh, that, that's it's difficult. I mean, it's nice having, you know, big crowds, too. But when you've got to pee, in, in, as you already reminded us, when you've got to relieve yourself of stuff, <laughs> you <know. laughs> but, but, but the point is that, that Henry Ford. Henry Ford said, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have asked for a better horse. Yeah. So. There has to be a leader at the helm. And since this is good for business, and since this is a conversation that entrepreneurs would be interested in, I'm going to say that there's got to be some degree of self-determinism there. There's got to be some some self-inner guidance that happens where you also become independent of the good opinion of others. The good opinion of others. We're not even talking about dealing with critics and naysayers and all that. We're talking about the good opinion of others. Uh, there has to be a point where you've got a vision and you're able to to run down that track without even looking sideways, unapologetically, for the good of all the others. Right. So be independent of the good opinion of others for the good of others. Oh, there's some philosophy right there. there.
1: There's a platitude. Stop
0: that. Give me a profundity, Toby. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how
1: about this? How about if your vision is so small that you can run it by yourself, then you're not thinking big enough. Like you've got to, you, you should have a goal that's so big that you, there's no way you can manage to serve as many people as you need to serve. If it's all on you, right. So you already know at some point, this thing's going to be bigger than what you can do. So all John and I are doing is inviting you to start actually taking action on those decisions today Before you need a staff, before you have to have 85 people answering phones like my friend Ruth does. Uh, All you're doing is uh, moving today as if, as though the person who's already uh, achieved it. But uh, you know, you know that if your vision is as big as it should be and you achieve it, you're not going to be able to do everything personally. So uh, we're just inviting you to Go ahead and make the moves now to protect your space and be as efficient and productive as you can just by carving out that space so that uh, you can put your attention where it needs to be, not where everybody else wants it to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Good times. Thank you for introducing this topic and thank you. To everyone who joins us here in the Good for Business podcast, Mark, a special shout-out to you and for everyone else who watches the video version or who has watched the video version of this up to this point. We're going to be doing some high-fidelity sound recordings from the studio moving forward, and we will do special events and stuff where we will still do... um, you know, webinar style uh, broadcast. So Tony, thanks again. And uh, I guess that's it. We'll see everybody real, real soon. Uh, And share this, please give us some reviews and, you know, ratings and everything over at iTunes and Stitcher and wherever you listen to the good for business podcast that, uh, that helps get the word out. And we sure appreciate reading your uh, reviews. Tony, anything else? Nope. That's great. Thanks, man. Appreciate always, always the conversation. Very good. We'll see everybody real soon. Have a great day.